Welcome to Lompoc Foursquare Church's podcast. Enjoy the message. Last week, I got to celebrate with you uh, four people who had just decided to give Jesus their yes and step into something new. Uh, I got to introduce you to Ray and Susan and Kim, who were starting a support group for those on a cancer journey. I got to introduce you to Wendy Culver, who is starting a group to care for families uh, who have special needs kids. And this morning, I get to introduce you to another group. Would, would you guys come? This is the Sleep and Heavenly Peace crew. You should probably clap and woohoo while they come. <clears throat> These guys are amazing. Uh, shortly after I got here, uh, Matt, who you're going to meet in just a second, uh, called me up one day. He goes, hey, do you like Mike Rowe? And I'm like, the Dirty Jobs guy? And he's like, oh, yeah, totally. I said, I love that guy. And, my, and Matt's like, you got to see what he's doing now. And he sends me this video, and, and Mike Rowe was going around to kind of like America's Heroes, who were doing amazing things just kind of off the grid, and he was wanting to, to highlight them and celebrate them. And he came across this guy that was building bunk beds out of this rundown warehouse because he decided that no kid should sleep on the floor in his town. And I'm like, this is amazing. I got kind of teared up. And Matt said, hey, I got a group of people, and we're thinking about doing the same thing. So, Matt, would you introduce us to the guys who are, who are up here with you? All right, my name's Matt. This is my wife, Colleen. And here we have Josh, and we have Guillermo, and Mel, Diane, Tracy, and John. Uh, Mark is not with us today. He's out on the, on the base fighting fires. Well, not fighting fires, but being ready to fight a fire. And we, oh, and Chuck down here. Say hi to Chuck. Matt, tell me just, just real quick, how many beds have you guys built so far? So May 30th, we delivered our first bed. May 30th of 2022, we have delivered 404 beds so far. Okay. So. These guys inspire me. So James says that we're not supposed to be a people who just have faith, but we put our faith into action. And so these are guys who are putting their faith into action day after day. And so we as a church have gone to them and say, can we call you a partner? Can we adopt you? Um, can we support you ongoingly? And they said, yes. And so not only do we support the monthly, but we've asked, can we build beds with you twice a year? And they said, yes. So February 25th, we're doing a bed. We want to build 50 beds. We'll be here from 9 o'clock in the morning to about 1 o'clock in the afternoon. And you do not have to be a skilled laborer. You just have to be good at not cutting your hands off. If you can do that, we will take you. So there, there are three ways that you can participate uh, and support SHP and making sure no kid in our town sleeps on the floor. Um, you can give to the builds because it's, tw- it's about almost $13,000 to build 50 beds. Um, you can give new bedding. Uh, sheets and blankets, twin size, nothing used. Or you can show up on the 25th and you can build. And these guys are going to have a a tent out uh, next week and the following week where they can answer any questions you have. They can sign you up for the build. And we we just need 100 people. We're looking for 100 people to build 50 beds. It's going to be epic. So um, would you just do this for me real quick? Raise your hand. So those are the guys who are coming, so I think we're good. <laughs> no, I'm t- <laughs> Here's 
Here's what I do want you to do. I want you to stand to your feet. I want you to extend your hand toward these guys. This is a sign of blessing from the Bible where we just kind of extend our heart and our faith with our hands. And these guys are trailblazing. They're doing something that I believe God has for each and every one of us. I believe that God has placed us in the city of Lompoc to make an impact, to make a difference. And sometimes it's preaching the good news, and sometimes it's living out the good news as these are. So we want to pray a prayer of blessing over them. Lord Jesus, thank you for this team, God, that you have brought together. Thank you for their hearts, for the underprivileged, the under-resourced, the the hurting in our community. God, I'm grateful that you have given them eyes to see people who matter to you. And I ask, Lord Jesus, that you would continue to give them favor in our community, in their fundraising efforts, in their volunteer recruitment efforts. God, that you would go before them. I ask that we would be able to, we would get to a point where we would say we have to look outside the boundaries of our city because there is no child in this city that's sleeping on the floor. God, thank you for the inspiration and the example they are to each and every one of us. In Jesus' name, amen. So one... So one, one last, you can go ahead and sit down. One last really cool thing. So you guys are a local chapter, but this guy is a national webmaster. For, uh, so they got a hold of Josh and saw what he could do, and now, now they want him. So Josh, super proud of you. Thank you for what you're doing. And uh, yeah, we'll get after it. It's going to be good. Hey, guys, we're in a, we're in a series called First Things First, and... We've, we've been talking about, uh, for two weeks, we talked about kind of the Word of God, and, and we, we've been talking about prayer. Last week, we talked about talking to God, and I have some amazing news for you, and I'm a little pumped up about it. Is that okay? Here's some good news for you. God wants to talk to you. Did you know that? You have a God who wants to talk to you. The creator of the universe, the master of the heavens, he who was and is and is to come, God Almighty actually wants to talk to us. We know that from the very beginning of the Bible where in in the book of Genesis, it speaks of how God creates us and how it creates us for relationship. And it says Adam and Eve would walk with God. They would talk with him in the cool of the day. And then sin entered in and the relationship was ruptured, but God has never lost his desire to live in ongoing and healthy relationship with you and with me. And healthy relationship involves healthy dialogue, listening to and talking to God. Now, for some of us, the idea of God talking to us might be a little bit scary. Did you ever have a sibling come into the living room while you're trying to watch TV and go, Dad wants to talk to you. Anybody? And did dad ever just want to tell you what a great job you did on the laundry? Sometimes, but there's this thing in us that like dad wants to talk to you or or the boss wants to see you in his office or her office where you just kind of go, no, put that away. That's not the father that wants to talk to you. The God that wants to talk to you is the God who who said last week when you approach me, approach me as a father who loves you. So we've got a God that wants to talk to us. It's got really cool things that he wants to communicate to us. But would it be fair to say sometimes we're challenged in hearing his voice and discerning what he's saying? Is that just me? Because if not, we can switch. I'll sit down and you can explain it to me. Sometimes for me, it's kind of hard to clearly understand what it is God is saying. And there's a couple reasons for that. One is life is busy. And life is loud. And life is hectic. 
And sometimes it's hard for us to hear something clear through the clutter. But the other reason is that there are multiple voices that are competing for our attention, multiple voices that are trying to communicate to us. One of them is the devil. God's not the only one that's trying to have his will accomplished, and he's not the only one talking to us. Here's a passage that we shared together about a month and a half ago. Luke 4 says, Jesus, full of the Spirit, left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. So Jesus is full of the Holy Spirit. He's in the center of God's will. And for 40 days, he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days, and at the end of them, he was hungry. The devil said to him, if you're the son of God, tell this stone to become bread. So the devil shows up, and he's trying to distract Jesus from his mission. He's trying to get him to do something other than what God has for him. Now, the devil doesn't talk to me very often. The fact of the matter is, he doesn't need to, because I have another voice that's competing with God's voice in my life. Do you know whose voice that is? Yeah, mine. You got there way too fast. I heard you. Like, hurt yours. Yes, mine. Bible calls it my, my flesh, these, these desires I have inside of me that are wrestling with God's will for me. Galatians 5.17 says, the sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the spirit wants. And the spirit gives us desires that are opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other. So you're not free to carry out your good intentions. That phrase, not free to carry out, doesn't mean that you're not able to. It just means there's this conflict that you have to navigate, that you have to negotiate your way through. So I've got the voice of the devil at times that's wanting to talk to me. I've got the clutter of everything going on, and I've got my own flesh. But here's here's the beautiful promise of God. The third voice is God's voice. And he says in John 10, 27, my sheep hear my voice. Doesn't say they might doesn't say they can. He says, listen, here's my promise to you. My sheep, they hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. And you and I want to be people who are able to recognize and then respond to the voice of God as he speaks to us. Because scripture says God is always wanting to reveal things to us by his spirit that we can't know or understand any other way. Matt may have thought he had a wild hair watching a Mike Rowe video one day. But the fact of the matter is God had a vision of something that could take place in our community to get kids off of the ground. And so because Matt was living in a way, and Colleen and the rest of the team, that was postured to hear from God, God was able to pull the veil back on something that he already saw, but this team didn't. They're still just walking into. So God wants to communicate things to us that we can't know any other way but sometimes we struggle. So I want to share with you a couple of observations uh, through the life of a, a young man named Samuel. Samuel became a prophet who led Israel in the season between the judges into the season when there was a, a monarchy. So he installed the first king. He was a prophet who spoke for God and, and led the nation, but he wasn't always a prophet. He started and will meet him as a young boy who didn't even know how to recognize God's voice yet. Let's read this together out of 1 Samuel. It says, The boy Samuel ministered before the Lord under Eli. Eli was was the high priest. In those days, the word of the Lord was rare, and there were not many visions. One night, Eli, whose eyes were becoming so weak that he could barely see, was lying down in his usual place. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying down in the house of the Lord where the ark was. Then the Lord called Samuel. Samuel answered, Here I am. 
And he ran to Eli and said, here I am, you called me. But Eli said, I didn't call, go back and lay down. So he went and he lay down. Again, the Lord called Samuel. Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, here I am, you called me. My son, Eli said, I did not call, go back and lie down. Eli is way more patient than I am. You wake me up once in the middle of the night, we're okay. You come back a second of time, it's game on. But Eli is a patient man. He's a good leader. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord. The word of the Lord had not been revealed to him. And a third time the Lord called, Samuel. Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, here I am, you called me. Eli realized that the Lord was calling the boy. So Eli told Samuel, go and lie down. And if he calls you, say, speak, Lord. Your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in his place, and the Lord came and stood there, calling as the other times, Samuel, Samuel. Then Samuel said, speak, for your servant is listening. And the Lord said to Samuel, God begins to speak to him, I am about to do something in Israel that will make the ears of everyone who hears about it tingle. This is the beginning of God revealing his plan, revealing his will, not to the prophet Samuel, but to the 12-year-old boy Samuel, who would one day become a prophet. You may remember Samuel's story from November when Pastor Courtney talked about it as she was teaching on gratitude. Samuel had a mom named Hannah. Hannah was barren. Her husband loved her, but she couldn't have kids, and she desperately wanted to have a son. She came to the, the tabernacle one day, and she was praying. And Eli saw her, and she was praying with such passion and such fervor. Her lips were moving, but she wasn't even making any noise. Eli goes, lady, if you're going to get drunk, get drunk at home. Don't get drunk here. And she said, I'm not drunk. I'm praying to the Lord. Long story short, he says, okay, you go home. You're going to have a son. She has a son. It's Samuel. She then brings him and dedicates him to the Lord at the tabernacle. She gives Samuel into God's service. Why would I say that to you? When you and I are born again, the same thing happens. When we surrender our lives to Christ, we are dedicated to him and our lives are surrendered to his service. So the lessons we pull from Samuel, are as, they are just as applicable to you and to me today. He's laying there and in the middle of the night, God begins to call to him, but he doesn't realize it's God. It's interesting to me that he thinks it's Eli. Here's why. When God speaks to us, he often speaks in a voice that sounds very, very familiar. I think God should sound like James Earl Jones. I think that would be the coolest God voice that there is. And if I got to pick how God sounded, it would sound like James Earl Jones. But God speaks to me in the quietness of my own mind, and he doesn't sound like James Earl Jones. And I was really wrestling with this one day as a young pastor, and I went to my dad. I said, Dad, how, do you, how can you tell if it's God's voice you're hearing? And he said, John, God speaks in a voice that sounds a lot like yours, only nicer. He doesn't say the mean things to you that you say to yourself, but he sounds a lot like you. And it's true. When I hear God talking to me, not in an audible voice, I've never heard that, But as I'm seeking to hear from the Lord and I begin to have a thought or an impression, the voice sounds a lot like mine. And so if you're trying to hear from God, but you're waiting for him to sound like somebody out of a movie, he's not going to. He's going to speak to you in a voice that you recognize. When Eli finally realizes what's going on, he goes, listen, 
The next time you hear that voice, simply say, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. Why is that so important? One, remember, he's a 12-year-old kid who's never heard God before and is able to hear him clearly once his attention is focused in the right direction. Because hearing God is not supposed to be a tricky thing. Hearing God is not supposed to be a difficult thing. Hearing God is not meant to be for a select few. This is not like job security for pastors. Only we can hear from God. God speaks to his children. God speaks, in that passage we just read, to his sheep, the sheep of his pasture. That's you. In Jeremiah 33, verse 3, the prophet is speaking to the nation, not the prophets, to the nation. And he says, God says, call to me and I will answer you. I will tell you great and unsearchable things. In Isaiah 58, verse 9, he says, when you call, the Lord will answer. You will cry for help and he will say, here I am. And in the Old Testament, under that first covenant, yes, he spoke to his people through prophets that were anointed by the Holy Spirit. But now, under the new covenant that we just celebrated with communion, the Holy Spirit lives within men, women, and children who have surrendered their lives to Christ, who have been born again. So now he speaks through an inner voice because we are indwelt by the Spirit of God. Tracking with me so far. Remember, God wants to tell you great and unsearchable things that you do not know. He's so excited to talk to you. And so I want to share, I want to highlight three things that will impact our ability to hear his voice and three ways that God often speaks to us, okay? So three things that impact our ability to hear and three ways we can expect God to speak to us. Impacting our ability to hear. Here's the first one. We hear God best when we're obedient. When we're obedient. Another way to say that is we hear God well when we're already living in, the, in step with the truth that we know, what we have already discovered. This passage again, it says, the boy Samuel ministered before the Lord under Eli. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was. Then the Lord called Samuel. God spoke to Samuel as he ministered before the Lord. He had a job to do. He paid attention to make sure the lamp of God in the tabernacle never went out. And as Samuel is doing his duty, he's laying there before the lamp, so he's available if the lamp begins to grow dim. And as he's living out what he already knows he's responsible to do, God begins to speak to him. Proverbs 1.23, God says, listen, if you had responded to my rebuke, if you had done what I had asked you to do, I would have poured out my heart to you and made my thoughts known to you. When God communicates something, invites us into something, asks us to do something, and we don't do it, but then go, God, I want to hear you, God's like, bro, he probably doesn't call us bro, John, I already told you what I wanted you to do, you just don't like what you heard. When it was time for my kids to go to bed and they were younger, my son had a superpower. And his superpower was, I'm going to fill the airwaves with noise so I can't hear you tell me I have to go to bed. Tyler, I want you to brush your teeth and get ready for bed. What about Kaylee? Can I finish this show? What time are you going to bed, Dad? What's for breakfast? Can I have eggs for breakfast? 
Should I pick up my clothes for school? I mean, he would just keep going and going and I'm like, this kid is amazing. And I would finally have to look at him and go, I'm not going to talk to you until you brush your teeth. Not saying another word. Why? Because he knew what his dad wanted him to do. He just didn't want to hear it. And so he would try to fill our relationship with noise. And I had to bring him back. Here's what I want you to do. Now, sometimes when God speaks and he asks us to do something or he invites us into something, um, I'm like, I'll do that when you explain this. Any, anybody ever kind of tell God, okay, I'll, tell, I'll take step one just as soon as you unpack step five through ten for me. I'm, Wendy and I have this sense that God is, is beginning to stir us and, and move us on from our assignment in Everett where we're pastoring, and God says, I want you to quit your job. And I said, yeah, right. <laughs> I want you to quit your job. I'm like, God, I know the scripture says you own the cattle, you know, on a thousand hills, and the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. Um, I've got a mortgage, and when I quit my job, I can't pay my mortgage. So if you will just explain to me how you're going to meet that need when I quit my job or when we're going next, I'm great. But there's this thing in me, it's like, I just need to know. But if you remember from Genesis 12, when God called Abraham, God said, Abraham, go to the land I'm going to show you, which meant what? Abraham, start walking. Get to stepping, and I'll tell you when to stop. And had Abraham not started to walk, he never would have made it to Canaan. And if Wendy and I hadn't said to the Lord, we don't know how you're going to provide for us or where we're going next, but we'll quit our jobs anyway, we wouldn't be here with you today. This is how Jesus works. We can't say, tell me everything if we're not willing to do the something. You with me? And the something he asks us to do, guys, it's scary, but it always leads to something greater. So if I'm having trouble hearing from God, I have to, I kind of got to look back over my shoulder and go, is there anything God's already told me or asked me to do that I haven't acted on yet? And if there is, then I probably need to do that, and then I can expect him to talk to me about what's next. Okay, here's the second thing. Uh, so we hear God best when we're obedient. We hear God best when we are not distracted. Um, the world is loud. There's a lot going on. God spoke to Samuel in a quiet place as he lay in the still of the night in the tabernacle of God. For Samuel 3.3, Samuel was lying in the temple. It's actually a tabernacle of the Lord. And if I, if I want to hear God clearly, I need his voice. I, excuse me. I have to remove myself from anything that would distract me. I can't expect God just to keep raising his voice until I hear it. There is a, there is a posture of surrender or partnership that I have to take where I'm saying, Lord, like Samuel, your servant is listening. I can't expect God's voice to blast through all of the clutter that I have created. Psalm 40, verse 10 says, be still and know that I am God. Psalm 63, verse 6, David says, on my bed, I think of you. I think of you through the watches of the night. If you need to hear God, slow down and find a quiet place to listen, a place where you just still the noise. Over the last couple of weeks, I've just stopped listening to music in my car, and I love music. I, mean, I, I never turn the radio off, leave it on all the time. But 
there's this, I'm, I'm in this place where I just want to be aware and sensitive if God wants to talk to me about something. And so I'm just, I'm just driving in silence. And God is talking. And I'm talking to God. Sometimes we just need to turn everything else off. I was thinking, um, I've been working out with a guy in church named Joey. And everybody needs a Joey in your life. Um, Joey will make you wish you were never born on some days. But Joey will make you a better version of yourself. I've, I've exercised a lot over the years, and I've hurt myself in a number of different ways. I mean, I've herniated discs. I've torn calves. I've blown out shoulders, labrum. I mean, I'm not the guy you want to teach you how to work out. Joey is. So I'm working out with this guy now who is able to coach me to do the things that I've always wanted to do in a way that I don't hurt myself. But sometimes I think I need to get super fired up to be able to lift this weight. So I put my AirPods in, I put them in, in like sound blocking mode, and I crank up the music. And then I go to do an exercise, and I can't hear my coach. I can see him, and a lot of times he's like, because he knows if I continue doing what I'm doing the way I'm doing it, I'm going to hurt myself. And so I got to, okay, I'm pulling him out. I'm still going to be doing this thing that gives me joy, but I need to be able to hear my coach. Guys, we need to be able to hear our coach. Here's the third one. When we're obedient, when we're not distracted, we hear God best when we're present. That is an odd phrase. What do you mean by that? Ever had a conversation with somebody while they're on their cell phone? Are they right in front of you? Like you're, you're trying to talk and they're like on their phone. Um, I could have said that better. You can be in the same room, but they are not actually present with you. And to be honest, usually I'm the one that's not present with whoever's <laughs> trying to talk to me. You ever like 45 seconds into a conversation with your spouse and you realize you're talking about something really important and you've missed all of it? Yeah, not a great feeling. Not a great feeling. So I can be in the room with Wendy and still not be present. It can be the same thing with Jesus. I am close to him positionally because of what he did for me at the cross. He saved me, he restored me, he redeemed me, and, and scripture says that he will never withdraw his love from me. But I can still be distant relationally. In other words, it's like I'm in his family, but I'm not, I'm not engaged. 1 Samuel 3.3, 3, he was lying down in the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was. The ark of God was where God's presence dwelt. 1 Samuel 4 says that God dwelt among the cherubim, the wings of the cherubim on top of that ark. Samuel's physical proximity to the presence of God was meant to be just a powerful reminder of how you and I are meant to be engaged relationally with Jesus. And the closer we are to the Lord relationally, the easier it is to hear him when he speaks. I graduated from high school in Goleta. Those Pueblos High School, class of none of your business. Um, and I would drive to school in a lemon yellow, I don't mean like faded, I mean bright, recently repainted, lemon yellow 1979 Toyota Corolla hatchback. I mean, it's, somebody threw up and this car came out. It was, it was like, I mean, I was grateful because I had a car to drive. But I didn't have a tape deck. If you don't know what a tape deck is, ask an old person. I could only listen to the radio or I had like, a, some of you guys might remember the, the double cassette boom boxes. It, like, took 30 batteries, and you could put them in your back seat and really blow out the windows. I did have one of those. 
Um, but most of the time, I would listen to the radio, and my radio station was 99.9, KTYD, K-Tide. Wendy and I come down here to kind of pray about moving to Lompoc. We fly into Santa Barbara, and we get in our rental car, also did not have a tape deck, um, and we start driving up the 101, and I'm hitting buttons, and I hit 99.9 KTYD, and I am pumped. I'm like, look, Wendy, Wendy, this is K-Tide. This is K- I listened to this in high school. It's KTYD. Wendy could care. Like, but I have, like, reconnected with something. It's still, we, we come down, as soon as you pass Gaviota and K-Tide comes on, I'm hitting that button, and I'm going to listen to that. Because for decades, I couldn't hear it, not because they stopped broadcasting, but because I moved outside of the range of their transmitter. So they were broadcasting music for the whole 30 years I was gone, but I couldn't hear it because I was in Washington. But as I come back and I get close to the source, close to that transmitter, the closer I get, the clearer the reception becomes. It's the same thing with hearing from God, guys. If you're struggling to hear from Jesus, one of the things that we need to ask is, where am I with him relationally? Am I spending time? Am I connected with him? Because scripture says that as we draw near to God, he draws near to us. He hasn't stopped speaking. Sometimes we just feel like we've gone beyond the range of the transmitter and we need to come back. You with me so far? Okay, I'm about to, I'm about to pivot. I got eight and a half minutes. I'm going to pivot. So, Scripture teaches, if those are the three things that I need to be attentive to to hear from the Lord, Scripture says that there are three ways that we can expect to hear from God. Three ways we can expect God to talk to us. God speaks to us, first of all, through the Bible. The Bible brings God's perspective into our reality. What does he have to say about what I am experiencing today? Psalm 119, 105, your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Psalm 19, 8, the commandments of the Lord are right, bringing joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are clear, giving insight for living. So God teaches and he directs and he encourages us through his word. And I have these, I have these touchdown scriptures or these moments I can point to where God has just made things abundantly clear to me in his word. When, when I took... Uh, Grace Church over from my mom and dad. I remember my first Monday as the lead pastor, I'm at Starbucks down the street from the church, and I'm, I'm in a soap journal like we do here, and my scripture reading for that morning was Joshua 1, in verses 6 through 10. Um, be strong and courageous. You will lead these people to inherit the land I promised to their forefathers. To give them, be strong and very courageous. Do not let this word, you know it, right? So that, that was a touchstone verse for me. It's like, this is how, what God communicated to me the first day I, I, I stepped into my role as lead pastor. A decade and a half later, I feel something stirring inside. Like God is, God is beginning to shift something in me. And I'm in Israel of all places. And I've, I've gone on kind of this, this journey of the Holy Land with this other church, and God's talking to me. And it's the last day that we're in Israel and I'm reading a different reading program. And on my last day, I sit down with my Bible, Joshua 1. That's where it takes me. Two weeks later, I have a pastor ask me if I would consider resigning my church and moving and becoming part of his team. And God had positioned my heart to expect change because of something in his word. Wendy and I leave that assignment. We're, 
we're praying about coming down to Lompoc, and somebody reaches out to me and says, hey, I just, I got this, this passage of Scripture God put in my heart. I feel like I need to share with you. It's Joshua 1, 6 through 10. I'm like, okay, got it. Got it, Lord. Thank you. God speaks to me both through the instructive parts of his word, and there are just unique touchstone scriptures. That is one for me now where I'm like, okay, God is saying something is shifting, something is transitioning. It doesn't necessarily mean geographic, but that's, that's a passage where when I get to it, I'm like, okay, Lord, what do you want to say to me? He speaks to us through the Bible. Secondly, God speaks to us through his Holy Spirit. That's the Holy Spirit's job. We remember that passage we shared a while ago in John 14, that the Holy Spirit would bring to remembrance the things that Jesus had taught us, that he would instruct us. And Paul writes in Romans 9.1, he says, listen, I'm telling you the truth. I'm not lying. My conscience, my conscience excuse me, confirms it in the Holy Spirit. What does that phrase mean? Paul is saying, listen, as I am moving forward, I am attentive to whether or not the Holy Spirit is, is prodding my conscience to tell me I am out of step or out of line with what God wants to do. And if my actions and my conscience are both at peace with the Spirit of God, then I have an insurance from God. I am moving in the right direction. In other words, the Holy Spirit will impact us or speak to us through our conscience. Some people call it an inward witness. Some people call it discernment. I prefer the person who said, I know it in my knower. The Holy Spirit will leave an impression where we know this is from God. The church in Jerusalem was wrestling through how they were supposed to relate to Gentile converts. And there was a group of people that were saying Gentile converts, to really be Christian, had to become Jewish. They had to go the whole way. Circumcision, ritual cleansing, and and eating only kosher. And having prayed about it, the Jerusalem church felt differently. And so they write to them and they said, it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us not to burden you with anything except the following requirements. And they lay out for them what they were meant to do. When they say it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us, it means here's what we think is right, and we have this sense from the Holy Spirit that we're not off course. One of the Holy Spirit's, one of the things that he does really, really well is tell me when I am off course. When I was a young pastor, I was a youth pastor at the time, I was working for my dad, and and we had a men's retreat. And we had a guy named Jerry Cook. That was his name. The rest of us called him Jerry Freakin' Cook because this man was amazing. I mean, his ability to hear from God, to demonstrate the love of God, and to communicate Scripture in a way that just made sense was mind-blowing. I mean, he was amazing. And he came and he spoke at, his men's, at our men's retreat, and my dad said, John, I need you to take Jerry Cook home. I need you to drive him home. I'm like, oh, my gosh. I've got 90 minutes in the car with Jerry Freakin' Cook. This is amazing. I mean, I'm just going to get out of the car more anointed than I got in just because it's going to rub off on me. And then I'm like, I get to ask this guy questions. 90 minutes. First 30 minutes, I'm just like 10 and 2, 10 and 2, 10 and 2. Don't, don't say anything stupid. Don't do anything stupid. Finally, I kind of worked up my courage, and I'm like, hey, Jerry, can I ask you a question? And Jerry's like, yes, John, what would you like to know? Like, how do you hear God's voice? I just, I got it. How do you hear God's voice? And, and Jerry's quiet for a minute. He goes, well, John, um, I have a really hard time hearing the Holy Spirit say yes. I'm like, what? You're Jerry Cook. And then he goes on and he goes, but I always know when he says no. 
I have no problem whatsoever hearing the Holy Spirit say no. Okay, well, that makes sense to me because sometimes I'm like, God, do you want me to do this? And I'm like, yeah. anybody, right? God, should we do this? Yeah, and there's no, and he goes, so here's what I do. He says, I assume a green light until I see a red one. So if I have something in my heart to do and I'm asking the Lord, is this something you want me to do? And I don't hear a no, I go do it because I can always hear the Holy Spirit say no. Now, I can lie and pretend I don't and I can plug my ears if I don't want to hear no, but the fact of the matter is we can always hear when God goes, "Uh uh-uh, don't do that. Because right in there somewhere, you just feel that, nope, that's going to grieve the Holy Spirit. Tracking with me? Trying to make a decision? Trying to figure out if God wants you to do it or not? If he doesn't say no, because he will say no. Proverbs 3.5 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he'll direct your path. I used to think that meant if I pray the right kind of prayer and think the right kind of think and do the right kind of do, then heaven will open and God will go this one. I'm not sure that's what that passage means. I think it means if I trust in the Lord with all my heart, and if I realize that he is wiser than I am, I don't lean on my own understanding, if I acknowledge him in all my ways, God, I want to please and honor you in the decisions I make, the decision I make will be the right decision because he is directing my path. That's why I think Jerry could say, I have trouble hearing a yes sometimes, but I always hear a no. Here's the last one. And we'll go home. God speaks to us through the Bible, through the Holy Spirit, and through other people. God uses people to speak into our lives. This is why Scripture says that we're not to forsake gathering together. It's why Paul says when you come together, bring bring a hymn, bring a song, bring a word of encouragement. This is why we, we gather to worship and sit under the word. It's why we, we read the word on our own. Because church, if you breathe in the word of God, you will breathe out the word of God. If you breathe in the spirit of God, you will breathe out the spirit of God. And you will be a gift to the men and women who are seated around you in moments when they are seeking discernment or wisdom from God. The gift of discernment, the gift of wisdom, the gift of knowledge is not something that is given to religious professionals. It's gifts that God has given to the body of Christ, to his church, in order to equip the church, to help us become mature, it says in Ephesians, and prepared for every good work. Like sleeping in heavenly peace. Like ministering to people on a cancer journey. Like caring for people as they support their special needs family members. Acts 2 says that God, at that moment, created a community that had the ability to hear God and to speak on his behalf. This is what it means when Jesus tells his disciples, you'll be my witnesses. This is why the Holy Spirit came and empowered. Now, I have a number of people who I will go to, people in my life, when I am trying to find wisdom or discern the voice of God. I'll go to Wendy. I'll go to my mom. I've got pastors and I've got friends. And I'll just go, hey, here, I'm, I'm trying to hear God. Will, will you tell me, would you pray with me and tell me what you think? I'm not abandoning my responsibility. 
I'm just remembering that Scripture says sometimes plans fail because of lack of counsel. But at the end of the day, the responsibility to act on what I did or didn't hear lies with me. 1 Thessalonians 5, 19. It says, don't quench the spirit, don't despise prophecies, but test everything and hold fast to what is good. When I am trying to hear the voice of God, God will never violate Scripture. He will never ask me to do something or lead me in something that is contrary to His Word. God will never violate His character. He won't ask me to do something that is outside of who I see Him to be in Scripture. He won't ask me to do something that will violate my conscience. But He may invite me to take some risks, get a little crazy on His behalf, start a ministry to give people beds who don't know Jesus, but they're sleeping on the floor. God wants to talk to you. God wants to talk to you. Not because he's mad at you. He's not the, he's not the work boss that's cranky. He's not, he's not the dad that didn't get enough sleep. He's, he's the dad that sees your full potential about to be realized and says, let's go figure this out together. Do you want your life to count for something beyond your own imagination? Do you want to live for something beyond yourself? Do you, want to, do you want to make an impact in a way that only you can because you are uniquely created. You are uniquely created for God to use in a unique way. Here's a freebie. If you're looking at other people and going, God, why aren't you using me that way? It's because you aren't them. The reason God wants to talk to you is you're going to do something that only you could do. Scripture says you were fearfully and wonderfully made, handcrafted in your mother's womb, every day ordained before one of them came to be. God has a plan for you. It will, it will fill your heart with joy. It will scare the bananas out of you because you'll have to take steps of faith because God's only given you step one and you're like, hey, show me 10. But it's amazing because God wants to show you these unsearchable things. Unsearchable means you can't find them any other way, but God will reveal them to you. This is the God... We, Some guys are like, I don't know what, what you know, how, how do people deal with pain, you know, without Jesus? I'm like, I don't know. How do people deal with life without Jesus? I mean, I, I wouldn't call a sermon this, but God is freaking cool. And he wants to invite us into what he's doing. He wants to blow your stinking mind. He wants you to see what he sees in you, which is not what you see when you look. I need to stop. I'm going to, I'm going to. We'll keep talking. I'm so excited about what God wants to do in you. About the, the pain that you were the answer to. About the, the hope that you are going to carry into our community. About the fact that God could have picked anybody and he picked you. Let that sit for a second. You didn't have to be born here. You didn't have to be born now. But God, in eternity past, thinking about how he wanted to bless the city of Lompoc today, chose to put you here right now. Think about that. God doesn't do things by mistake, by accident, or haphazardly. You're here on purpose, and you're here with a purpose. And I can't wait to talk to you about that. That's the next series. we got to finish up with first things first. Would you stand with me? I'm, I'm hitting that spot where I'll keep preaching to like 1.30. 
And because I love you too much, I'm going to stop right now. But I want to speak a blessing over you. This is the blessing I want to speak over you. It's out of Romans 15, verse 13. This is my prayer and my passion for you. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to speak it over you again. May the God of hope, that's who we serve, may he fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus loves you. I love you. And there are great days ahead for you. Be blessed. Go in joy. Go in peace. Go in strength. And we'll see you next week. We hope you enjoyed today's message. Please visit us at mylfc.com for more information about our church. Thank you so much for listening.